Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another Ampersands and Sons podcast with me, Neil Bailey, and my friend, Julian Finn. Hello, Neil. Yeah, another week, another episode of Smallville. Oh my god, of Superman and Lois. What have I done? Oh, I've angered everyone. I mean, it takes place in Smallville. Um, and actually, I have an alternate title for the show just based on the fact that I desperately need to hear these actors in British accents doing a different show. I've taken, <laughs> I've taken it to calling it James and Lily in my head. Oh, uh, yeah. See, that would that would be pretty good. Yeah. Except for, uh, you know, like uh, that ends badly for uh, for the for the parents, doesn't it? But not so badly for their version of Superboy. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. Uh, so we we got a lot of uh, notes this week instead of uh, lots of preliminary talk, uh, but a lot of them are spoiler kind of stuff. Uh, do you have any preliminary non-spoiler notions? Yeah, so I kind of have an alternate title for this week's episode. What was the title? It was, it was Heritage. Uh, Heritage. Yeah, no, this one should absolutely 100% have been called Being a Dad is Hard and None of Us Know How to Do It. <laughs> yeah, or actually, you know, like like uh, uh, if you backstop your, your, your other parent, things end better. Because Lois yeah. just like had his back so many times where he would have just fallen flat because he was just being dumb, like, I'm Clark, I, I'm nice. <laughs> and she was stepping in like, I'm going to be a mom here. And uh, and, and it, and it uh, was great. I mean, the parenting in this show is so true to life at least as i'm seeing it in a lot of ways it may not be the best parenting at times but it's it's dead on like this is how it feels you're constantly losing a little ground gaining a little ground losing a little being proud being disappointed and and we're learning that uh thanks to the the magic of of jor-el and and ai dads that uh being a terrible absent father is kind of a universal constant (laughs) <laughs> yeah or or you know with, with your sam lane in there too there's lots of there's lots of broken parenting in here or missing parenting it's 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 almost a disney thing um yeah. do you want to jump straight into some spoilers should we give people the warning uh i think we should probably do a little bit of a recap first and right. then Hit dive into it. spoilers okay so, what, what so, so in this episode we get uh the first and possibly last little bit of glimmer of the uh of the back plot of jordan kent potentially having powers and exploring that with his dad clark at the fortress of solitude um we get the introduction of morgan edge coming to town trying or claiming to try doing a revitalizing project and in the backdrop of that, we've got some conflict between Lois and the Daily Planet where she's trying to do real journalism for a paper that no longer wants it and wants to publish fake news instead. Yes, that sounds about accurate to me. Although technically you kind of can't call it a fortress. The door is open. That's, <laughs> I just realized that on, this, on, on the second viewing today with the boy. Like, yeah, yeah, no, they don't actually have a giant key. And maybe that's okay, but then it's just kind of like the Cave of Solitude. But it was high up, right? I guess so. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's kind of a uh, you, you, you. But you know, like you, you can imagine like uh, <laughs> the fanboy who wants to disprove everything, just climbing up there, training for six months, working his lungs, and then finally reaching the peak. Like I'm here, I'm here, Superman. You can't and call getting, this a fortress. And getting up there, getting up there to just find one gaming table and realizing right. he doesn't have a sunstone. Yeah, <laughs> you so owned Superman, and then Superman steps up and does the flick, and then down he goes. No, oh, but I owned you. Yeah, yeah, no. So it was it was a very sort of small town 
high school football family dynamic episode. Uh, so continuing the trend of, of you know, Superman as uh, what the heck is the name of the coach from Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights? <laughs> <laughs> And honestly, at this point, I'm almost disconcerted when Superman stuff happens on it. Like, I'm, I'm along for the ride for these character moments and this sort of backplot of trying to build a life in a small town in the middle of economic recession in middle America. And then, oh, we've got a super fight. Well, that's cool. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm still thoroughly enjoying it. It's really, really good. Though, having read the review, I think I'm a bit more nitpicky about this week's episode than you were what yeah i know but but with you yeah i i I agree i'm actually really interested in the family parts of the show far more than seeing superman punch yet another dude in a suit but for what it's worth when that happens it's pretty damn well done for tv it is really damn well done for tv and what i am loving about it okay so i'm going to address some some snyder stuff from last week in Uh this episode no, 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 hear me out. Because I feel like we might have bashed the movies a little bit hard, but there's a reason for it, for me at least. I went into Man of Steel and I loved everything about the first two thirds of that movie. And I loved the look of it, like that Terrence Malick feel. You could feel Christopher Nolan's fingerprints all over the DNA of that flick. And as it was building towards what I've been waiting for since I was five years old, which is seeing a live action Superman punch somebody really, really, really hard in the face, I realized that maybe that was not a thing that I actually needed to see because in reality, as depicted in that movie, that can cause a whole lot of unintended consequences. And what I appreciate about the fights on this show versus how that those conflicts were handled in that movie is Superman is extremely careful to have those conflicts far, far, far away from people. Yeah, well, there's there's I, I have two basic responses to that. The first thing is a prelude, which is and this is going to make people really, really confused, but. I don't actually hate Man of Steel myself. There are elements of it that I like. It just as a Superman movie, it fails utterly for me. There are a couple things that really, really just disqualify it utterly. But there are beautiful moments. Krypton yeah. is great. The, the Him first in the suit. The flight. There's a lot of good things in there. The problem is it's married to um, a, uh, a story that, that, that leaves a lot wanting. But more to the, to, I've given my rant before, but it's worth bear, uh, bears repeating because it's a thing that I could, uh, I could talk about all day long. It's that um, people people talk about the Snyder thing and they're like, well, it's it's realistic. It's like what it would be if it were really happening. And people don't want that, but they think they want it. A lot of fans go on rants about this. I want it to be realistic. They don't want realized. Uh, they don't want something that's realistic. They want something that's realized. They want a world that they believe because everything inside of it is internally coherent. And everything is such that you don't get distracted from what's going on by the fact that nothing that a per- something that a character is doing is something that they wouldn't do. Like, you know, we can debate the Zod's uh, getting his neck snapped thing, or we can uh, debate Superman letting people die, that kind of thing that can pull you out. But there's also the fact that it's very grim and dark, and one of the expectations of Superman is is kind of bright and chipper in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, this, yeah. But, but to, to this episode. Um, wait, wait, talk- wait, 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 wait. 
you okay, just helped, you just helped me articulate something I've been struggling with since I first saw Man of Steel. Man of Steel is the first night of Superman movies. Yes, pretty much. First night is an excellent movie that happens to not be a great King Arthur movie. For people who haven't seen it, Sean Connery plays like a septuagenarian King Arthur and Richard Gere plays uh, Lancelot in a weird love triangle between him, uh, Arthur, and Julia Ormond's Guinevere. And it is a really good movie that is not at all a fantastic Arthurian legend flick. And Man of Steel is that for me. It's a great piece of entertainment. It's beautifully shot. It's sci-fi elements are like nothing I've ever seen before, but it, it missed the mark for me in terms of who Superman is a character. And in the context of this episode and this big fight that happens in the middle of it, one of the things that it misses is Superman's impulse to protect always 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 outweighs his instinct to beat up the bad guy and we got that in spades this week and i loved it yes and that's that's what i was going to is like um it, it creates a world where this superman is consistent because the superman as defined in snyder although most of the choices he has to make are between life and death they establish him as someone who wants to save lives and who has want who wants to keep people safe he will go and work on a boat and and sacrifice everything just to save that oil derrick or whatever the heck it is um yeah. but there's also that 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 can't exist in the same world with the dude who will pile four trucks onto each other you know so there's the example there's the going back to last week you were talking about when he teaches that the thug a lesson at the end of superman 2 and shoves him into the pinball machine how that's how that's disproportionate right yeah. And there's there's that, and you can make that argument, and that's a, even a fair argument. I'll even concede that. That's a very fair argument. Like, maybe he's a little bit too, you know, too happy with the powers of people. But it's not taking four people's livelihoods for being a jerk and stacking them on top of each other in a way that their livelihood is entirely, entirely destroyed, which is what Superman does with those trucks that he stacks. It's just kind of, it's it's cool. It looks really cool, but it's out of character. Um, no, that's 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 fair. Um, although live in Alberta for a while, and you might share the same <laughs> instinct to smash trucks together. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but to the point. To the point. The the fight is absolutely set in the middle of nowhere, and the fight happens in the middle of nowhere. And when it's near people, Superman has a reaction. And and I'm not going to tread in the spoilers yet. But you can yeah. also tell it's kind of a special effects cheat too, because they love the big plume of smoke, but they do it so artfully that it works um in most of the cases sometimes it didn't last episode but i'm i'm gonna get my big complaint out of the way here with the episode and it ties into what i was talking about last week where um the show doesn't seem to want to be part of the cw verse very much this is a like massive loss of life level threat that's presented in this version of luthor he's attacking nuclear facilities he's you know directly attacking military facilities um there is no scenario in supergirl where we wouldn't have gotten some sort of even just an off-the-cuff Jimmy Olsen, I tried to reach Clark, but he's off-planet kind of reference to to kind of make the audience realize that this is part of the same universe and they just didn't feel like writing him in. And here there's just nothing. 
I kind of, I, I excuse that in perhaps a way that is not defensible, but I do excuse that in my head with the idea, because to me, out of all the heroes in, in, in the DC universe, Superman is the primary. He's the one that leads the way and he's the strongest and he's the best. That but is Supergirl's, my opinion. Supergirl, Supergirl's stronger. Sure, this is true. This is true. I can see that. But but I guess what I'm getting at in in the sense that he is always going to be the most experienced. He's going to be the first one you can go to. He's going to be other than Batman, who you can't reach by telephone. Um, uh, yeah. Well, you know, unless you got a red phone, but that's we'll not go into that. Um, but if, if he um, if Superman is handling it, the idea that you need to bring in other heroes is is to me like I I don't see that as much although it is a valid criticism it makes sense because in this universe supergirl is equally powerful and equally as important and has been developed a lot more to be so and it does create an inconsistency and an incongruity if you're someone who's watched all the shows if you're like me and you're going in blind you don't see it and i mean it, it it's a little worse because supergirl has established a government agency that she works with that specifically deals with extraterrestrial threats uh, to the planet that is headed up by John Jones, the Martian Manhunter, they would be all over an alien spacecraft attacking nuclear <laughs> facilities. And it's just absent. No mention of them. No, You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I it, do. it just from, from, for somebody who is watching this from the perspective of this is a show about a character who is established canonically in this other show, for it to just abandon those elements entirely is weird. I, I think we should jump into spoilers now, if you're okay with that, so that we can discuss the specifics of that. Deal. Um, okay, cool. Because, yeah, so spoilers forthcoming. Uh, be ready for it. Because th this is, it, it was uh, the weak spot in the show that I didn't see before the review, because I always write the review on the cuff right after I've watched it, after I've taken my notes. And then always things pop up the next day or the next couple of days, and I bring it up in the next week's review or in the next review, if it matters. And in this yeah. case, it does matter. Because what happens is Luthor and, and, and Superman are fighting on the ground, and basically Luthor gives him the Luthor choice, the classic Superman in the movie. It's like, you can, uh, you can get me or you can save a whole bunch of people, and Superman has to fly out and get the uh, ship and my the fanboy in me was uh was 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 uh was actually blinded by the fan service there because you have several flaws with that as, as a concept the first one being that uh luthor as established is altruistic or at least his motivations seem to be altruistic in that he comes from a world where there's an evil dark superman who who just coincidentally i'm sure looks exactly like the snyder superman from the from the justice league cut um but he he has this this motivation to destroy Kal-El because Kal-El will become something awful and kill a whole bunch of innocent people, ostensibly, we assume. And what Luthor then does is, while he's fighting a Kal-El who's willing to talk and willing to be uh, persuaded, um, which is established pretty well, he sends a ship to destroy a major met metropolitan area. And you can argue that Luthor knew that Superman would stop it, but then that goes against his character because his character believes that this is an evil person, so why would he stop it? So it kind of breaks Luthor a little bit, but it also breaks the the whole stuck in Smallville thing uh, for the same reasons you mentioned, because a major ship, uh, a ship is flying toward a major city that has tons and tons of people, it would blip on the radar of all the other established heroes. Yeah, um, and I'm going to push back a little bit on that 
the, the first part of that flaw. So this episode made me reevaluate my, uh, and this is going to be a running theory as the show evolves. I, I now think they told us what storyline they are doing in a throwaway scene that we both kind of made fun of in episode one, where was it Jonathan? Yeah, I think it was Jonathan that was sitting down and he was playing Injustice, or was it Jordan? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. it was Jordan. I think they're doing Injustice. They could do that. They could absolutely do that. Right? I I think this Luthor comes from a world in which Lois and Perry and everyone are murdered by either the Joker or someone else, and Superman goes evil and dark and descends into that totalitarian control over the planet to try and prevent bad things from ever happening again. And that is the plot line that they are going to dive into. Okay. And that's and and it's borne out in his conversation with Sam Lane, where he starts to say something about you have to stop Kal-El before he and then Superman punches him through a wall. Um, I think in his world, unlike the Ultraman concept that I was running with last week, Superman started off good. I think that that is a plausible theory. I also think that um, they are. I have the sneaking suspicion that they are not going to reveal it as a moment of fan service or as a something that anyone else knows. I don't think it's going to. I, I, the more and more I watch, the more I don't think it's Alexander Luthor. The more <sighs> I don't think it's Injustice. And the reason I think that is because they're they're making it different in many calculated ways, like. Luthor is a black dude. Let's just get that out of the way. Has that ever happened before? I can't think of an example. Um, there is a DC alternate universe. I'm just gonna look it up right. Okay, now. you Google it up, and I'll and I'll commentate a little bit on the things that I was that I was mentioning. So so you have this situation where the easy thing to do would be to go to Alexander Luthor, or the easy thing to do would be to go to the Injustice world, and it would also be the thing that the fans would know and love. But so far, that easy path, which they could have easily done with the Super Sun series, they could have gone straight through the, the, the Jurgen series and adapted it panel for panel. They could have done the kind of thing that Snyder did with Watchmen. Ha! Um, you know, like they could have yeah. made it aping everything. Oh, I know that. I love that. But they're not doing that. So part of me thinks that they're trying to make their own thing, a thing that is not the same, but has similar qualities to things that people are familiar with. So it's realized and so that it has an ethic of its own. Uh, what did okay. you find? I found uh, Earth-9, which had a um, black Superman, and Earth-23, where yeah. the Justice League is predominantly African-American, and I can't remember yeah, if both Lex the... is also black in that world. Yeah, I, the, the point being, it's not been in any real major uh, media. And, and there's, also, there's also a criticism to be leveled for this, but I don't know if it rings true yet. There was the uh, departing writer who said that all of the bad guys on the show are black, and she has a very good point with that because the bully who beats up uh, Jonathan, uh, or who beats up Jordan rather for kissing his girlfriend, and Lex Luthor, the ostensible, uh, the, the ostensible, ostensibly the villain of the piece thus far, is a bad guy. But that also is a story that's not done yet, and we don't actually know if Luthor is a villain. If it continues in this vein, the critique will become more and more powerful because it is a show with a lot of corn-fed white people and and very few, uh, very little diversity. 
but it's also very early in that story and we don't know what they're going to do entirely. If after a season that has not been rectified or changed or addressed in any way, there will be a there will be an angle of critique in there. No, and that's fair. And I thought about that when sort of analyzing this, but I I think going to this episode that the Luther choice is a this is a Superman who has not gone bad yet and he knows it because he's lived through it. And so it it pulls the villainy aside a little bit. Although I seem I'm gonna have to rewatch it, but I feel like he actually killed some folks in this episode. Uh, that I don't. That's another thing I was going to mention. Is like thus far, it's a note that I took that I didn't write down because I wasn't sure of in the, in the review. Um, is Luthor killing people? Has Luthor killed people? And it and it looks like he's injured them. You know, very very clearly. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if he has killed people yet. It seems like they're leaving it ambiguous as opposed to like, uh, you know, I keep drawing it back to the actual context of the characters that we know and love now. It's not like Batman with machine guns doing things that will clearly kill somebody. Um, it is it is left ambiguous and it is it is I'm I am sure intentionally so. And also this version of Luthor is very, very clearly a soldier and it brings up the interesting moral question of what is ethical in the service of what is good um i, I don't know did you watch agents of shield at all uh, i watched i think two or three episodes it never really grabbed me so season six spoilers for a two years ago series of tv um had a character who looked like a character who had previously died on the show but was not that person uh from an alternate reality who basically traveled from world to world destroying those worlds trying to prevent the spread of a universe eating monster and <laughs> who the heck would write a story like that <laughs> <laughs> And, and it brings up an interesting ethical qualm. Is it moral for a soldier to take innocent lives if it's in defense of the greater good, if he's protecting the entire planet from an existential threat? <laughs> I wrote extensively on that. Kurate Ipsum. Yeah, you, you got a guy who did. goes world to world. He's like, he believes that he's killing Charlies because they screw up worlds, and they do. And yeah. so I have a soft spot for that as a, as a character drive. Right. And so I'm not sold on, even if he did kill anybody on him being the villain, I think the villain in the context of this being a story about growing up in middle America and raising a family in middle America in the middle of economic strife, et cetera, et cetera. I think the only real villain we're going to see this season is um, Morgan Edge and possibly some existential questions about the, the, the moral use of Superman's power in the context of this Luthor. Yeah, or even in the process of stopping Edge. I think that yeah. there's going to be, it's going to be, they're going to confront liberal good intentions and they're going to co confront, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, redneck ignorance as to, as to the, uh, the way that um, corporate masters basically hold a dollar in front of you and then screw you. Um, yeah. So that's that. Yeah. So that's developing and complicated, and it makes us ask all these questions, and that's good. I think. 
Yeah, no, Although, that's fantastic TV. If I'm thinking about those things after watching an episode about a dude in his underwear jumping tall buildings. <laughs> yeah, they, but I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to forget that, that he sent that ship there. That's going to be a, a consistency moment, no doubt. Um, yeah. So, uh, little thing. A little thing I wanted to bring up. Jor-El looks like a scientist. That's my note. And I was like, wait a minute. What are you saying? Because, like, what does a scientist look like? Is it a fat white man? And no, that's not what I mean. I mean, he looks like someone who, he's just kind of slump-shouldered. He's a little portly. He looks he looks normal as opposed to like this chiseled physique. It looks like someone who has spent a lot of time reading a book or doing an experiment or being in a dark room. And that could be, you know, a guy, a gal, the color doesn't matter. A scientist is the, the general picture I get outside of what I saw at the NASA, NASA rover landing. You know, you always <laughs> picture like, you never picture what they typically give you for Jor-El, which is like Terrence Stamp looking mighty, wonderful, and British, and, and dashing, and strong. <laughs> you whoa, know? whoa, that was Zod. Terrence Stamp was Zod. <laughs> well, he was also Jor-El, though. Uh, oh, no, that's he true. Didn't... Fair enough. Oh, but yeah, he, yeah, didn't, yeah. he didn't appear. That's right. No. But the person that they brought for the stand-in for Zod was was basically a Terrence Stamp alike, but you yes. know, like the, the the lower rent version. Um, I mean, he did the part perfectly well. This is not me bagging on the actor. It's just like what Smallville did. Um, and and I thought that that was really cool in retrospect. I never thought about. I didn't get a chance to to fully elaborate at that because I just saw myself write. Jor El looks like a scientist and scratch that. Out. I'm like, you're not gonna. You're listen, white guy. You don't get to define what a scientist looks like for the world. And I was, and then I realized, no, that's not what I was saying actually. Yeah, yeah. I had an interesting emotional range to Jor El. Um, so in the trailer leading up to this week's episode, they made that uh, moment where he says, you brought me your son, Kal-El, why? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sound incredibly ominous. Yeah. Um, but in the context of this episode, it wasn't so much ominous as incredibly dickish. Yeah. Um, so this, I, I have I have some theories. We'll get into theories at the end of this, ep of this episode. But... This version of Jor-El, to me, so far, seems to be a, if you're not pure blood, you're not worth my time, <laughs> proto-fascist. No, because his reaction when Clark says, hey, look, we might have made a mistake in the testing of the boys, and he tells him what happened, is, oh, we may get to carry on our Kryptonian heritage after all, <laughs> which right. makes no sense. The Kryptonian South will rise again. Right, but the Kryptonians <laughs> don't have powers on Krypton. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, that that whole sequence to me read like, this, like, Jor-El is the equivalent of a very sophisticated chapter of the Kryptonian KKK. Like, I, I oh, saw it he's... like that. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I saw that. I saw it like that at first. Like, that. The, I, I have a note that's like, wait a minute, the heritage. Um, and I think it's more just like, it, I, the way I ended up taking it was like, he's just sad that his entire planet is dead and he wishes that it could keep living instead of like Krypton will rise again. And the reason I went that way is because of how later. He's not an aesthetic, cool, uh, emotionless uh, being like Jor-El is sometimes depicted. He looks at his son. He's like, I know you really want your son to have these powers, and I'm sorry, but the facts are the facts. And and someone who is cool, and he'd be like, he, he, the Jor-El that you're describing would be like, he is weak. Call him. Call him and find another mate. 
<laughs> no, but he basically did do that. He'll never even be one one hundredth of what you are. Like, <laughs> yeah, the fractions. He, go, well, the he fractions goes from were a little cold. <laughs> he goes from he goes from excited about the possibility of Jordan having powers, and that somehow, for some reason, meaning the ascendancy of or the continuation of Kryptonian heritage, to basically saying, "Get out of my cave." <laughs> he did the Dewey Cox. He's like, "You're yeah. not. You're not half the boy your brother was. You're not." even half of the lower half of the boy that your brother was you know like yeah it was just it was just a weird weird interaction and especially like okay so i i grant that it's an ai but we're supposed to read from the emotional cues that the ai at least knows how to fake emoting do did they not have grandparents on krypton was that not like a thing (laughs) your grandson is meeting you for the first time and you're like oh you're not cool. Go away. Oh, put him. Have you seen crypto? Bring over digital crypto. Look at digital crypto. <laughs> yeah, I see what you're saying. I don't. I don't so see that, it as. as well, but th- that could develop. That could be a, a nothing burger. But either way, I do see it. And if it's not that, then the alternative must be true, which is that he cares too much, and I think he might be lying about both boys not having powers. That fits the comics um, in that, you know, they, they did a little thing with Bendis where Jor-El came back and he had somewhat sinister intentions and then he became a good guy. And that's about where I dropped off. And they could make some hay out of that. They could go down that vein. And there's there's a lot to be said there for uh, for uh, going off with Grandpa with the powers and learning a little bit about the universe and coming back a little bit uh, smarter. Yeah. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. All right, or what's maybe- this note? Oh, good. Or or maybe twelve years in the cave the first time with Clark was too much, and he doesn't want to get saddled with another <laughs> super kid. Yeah, that's a really great way to go through your early twenties too. It's like you know, you know, I'm tired of this. I'm just gonna skip the awkward years where I where I'm where I, where I develop, and I'm just gonna come up. Oh, I'm Superman now. I'm ready. Um, I mean, at, at least the Donner well, Cave had a bed, which we found out about in Superman yeah, 2. This one was just some rocks. 70s bed. Groovy 70s bed and, and souffle, if you remember the, uh, yeah, the yeah. TV versions. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> so so this note, this next note, uh, Christopher Waltz, uh, Morgan Edge, tell me about this noise. Yeah, so the whole, every time Morgan Edge spoke in this episode... I kept on wishing it was Christopher Waltz in Django Unchained because <laughs> who is this guy? He's um, oh, Morgan Edge. Name? Oh, is is Morgan Edge? Yeah, Morgan. Oh, Edge. he's no, a no, classic the, Superman villain. No, no, I know the the character. I'm looking the actor. Oh. Um, the actor is Adam Rayner, who oh yeah has been in. I googled Nothing it because else. I thought that yeah I thought I, I, his name sounded very very familiar and I realized it's probably Kyle Rayner I'm thinking of or uh, he sounded like the name of the the, the guy who was L- uh, Lana's boyfriend for one season and then got killed um, I, I think that guy has the same name or he was an Adam as well and I was like did they bring that dude back and then I googled it and I was wrong and I'm like oh great here comes the early onset dementia go out yeah, to no- the woods let the wolves eat you Bailey. Yeah, no, he he was channeling Christoph Waltz, like Django era Christoph Waltz hard <laughs> the whole time. And I kept on expecting him to like let loose some racial epithets by accident. And it never happened. Oh, give him time. Give him time. <laughs> they're, they're making him out to be the, uh, the, the consummate business right now. But he's going to do some snaky stuff soon, man. I'm looking forward to it. I want to see oh. Kyle's smug face. That's what I want to see. 
I'm kind of assuming he's going to run for president. Although, if I remember correctly, I, I can't remember because I haven't rewatched the post-Crisis Supergirl episodes. I think Lex Luthor is now president or like a big high muckety-muck. He won some sort of like Man of the Year award in the rebuild <laughs> of reality. Um, so they're they're leaning into that. They're leaning into that hard. Maybe Ben can elaborate on that when he comes back in at the end of this. Um, but yeah, like Morgan Edge is giving me the heavy businessman Lex Luthor vibes we normally get. Yeah, I think that that's going to be he's going to be the proxy because, you know, they wanted to do the other Luthor. And it's very clear that they're they're doing they're setting it up um to be to be the the bad businessman that superman kind of needs for for, and, for smallville roots and the super two and a half men lex luthor that we've got on supergirl does not fit the tone of this show <laughs> at all <laughs> yeah i uh i yeah that was i i mean i don't uh, i'm trying to be nice about uh about stuff that uh like that but like the crisis like i said it was a bit scattered and luthor was one of the reasons i was like what's his motivation what's he doing he's got a book and he's gonna wipe superman away but he's taking his time with it you know that kind of but it's clear that he was throwing his heart into the role it's just it was it was definitely the supergirl universe luthor not the uh not the superman and lois universe uh, although although smallville's clark kent in that episode utterly redeemed himself for me by punching him in the face yeah yeah, that was the one bit I liked about the Smallville <laughs> section. The whole like, yeah, I just gave up on being Smallville after uh, Superman after three years, and and Lois, you know, just kind of uh, being being not very present in the scene and and not seeing yeah. a lot of the Smallville universe. It was very very brief, and that was the that was the good part. He's just like, oh, this is not a threat. And this it took be. me and it took me until an HBO special this year to realize why Chloe didn't show up in that scene. <laughs> You know, it's funny. Um, like I've, I've mentioned before that I would I, I thought about opening up the uh, review with like a where's Chloe joke, but it was too serious of a show for me to make jokes. Um, and I realized that uh, they have a Chloe in this show. And I was sitting there thinking, like, maybe they wanted to do Chloe. Like, but they but, you know, that all happened. But but Beppo is Beppo the, the super monkey. Yeah. Why the heck would you give someone a care like a human character the name Beppo? Like, like there's, there's homage and there's like, that's borderline offensive stuff. Um, and I don't know what they were thinking. I'm, I'm hoping it's that they didn't realize the reference and that, uh, they were just like looking up random names on the internet, but no, um, that's, that's it not can't be, it accident. can't possibly be. Yeah, I know. I'm not going to make an excuse for him. I'm just, it, it's, it's so, that's actually, I, I can't, I can't say made. I can't say that it's not an accident because you go back to the casting of Martha Kent in Smallville and they yeah. had no idea that she'd played Lana in Superman 3. They didn't? I didn't know that, but that fits with the way that they approached the mythos. Oh my God. There's a there's a scene in, uh, I, got, I don't know if you remember this, but there's this silver box set that came out of all the Superman movies um, right yeah, around the I same time that Superman Returns came out. Yeah. yeah. And so there's this uh, documentary about Superman on screen um, right. in there, and it's a really fascinating watch, and they interview her, and she's like, yeah, so I went for this, you know, I'd gone for this casting call, and they were like, you know, you're really good, and and, and she's like, well, yeah, like, I, I love the character, I, I played Lana in Superman 3, and they were like, oh, oh, we didn't know that, that'd be super appropriate. 
Oh my god. Even if you don't like Superman that much, how can you ignore the most beautiful redhead out there? Or one of the most beautiful redheads out there. Like, seven-year-old me was ready to move in. He was like, I will marry you! I don't care if it's illegal! Um, yeah, a a Annette is just, has always been one of the most beautiful women that I've ever seen, but... Yeah, so, I mean, I can't say that they don't know, but Beppo would be a super weird last name to give someone by accident. <laughs> yeah, Beppo is, Beppo is slightly odd. Well, have we, have we covered our, um, have we covered our uh, notes? Should we bring in the, the boys? Um, we didn't cover the clunky writing moment at the end. Oh, yes, hit me with it. And we, and we didn't really dive into all of the awful parenting on this show this week. <laughs> Um, which I think was more egregious than you did. But um, so there's a moment at the end where he's having a heart to heart with the boys. <laughs> and he says something along the lines of, I've now realized that I haven't done a good job balancing being Superman and Clark Kent. Like I haven't, I haven't done right by you guys. And I'm like, I, I... I'm like, man, they're 15. How are you just realizing this now? Son, I should have spent more time getting to know you and less time training my body and mind to kill you with a machete. Yeah, like, there's there's <laughs> no scenario in which this would not be a point of conflict between him and Lois in their marriage because I've had those fights over being away for a weekend for work. I got an explanation for this. It's, uh, it's Superman being a good parent. It's Clark being a good parent. Because... I do that exact same thing with my boy. I say things like, you know, I know I've not always been patient with you. And I know sometimes I yell. And I know that I was harsh on you at this moment. And I know that this happened. And the boy doesn't remember. You know, the boy, it, that is that is my crushing weight of guilt. So I think that that is Superman's anxiety as opposed to anything that really happened. I don't think, I think that, of course, because he's Clark, he has always been there for the boy. But, of course, because he's Clark, he's always going to be sitting there like, I didn't do well enough. I didn't save enough people. I'm not a good enough person. That's the nature of his character. And that's okay, what okay, Lois no, is no. there for. Except, except, and I would I would normally stipulate that you might be right here, but there's a moment earlier in the episode, right before him and Jordan fly to the Cave yes. of Solitude, where Jonathan is sitting at the table and he does that snarky teenager thing where he's like, oh, you guys going to go have some Superman and Superboy time now? And instead of addressing it, he looks over at Lois and gives her like a, can you deal with this nonsense look? Yeah. And then walks out the door with, man, Superman's a bad dad. No, that's great. That's perfect parenting. That's what no. that is. Is that, yeah, no. So that's, so you have two people who have to take care of the problem that is raising children, right? And what you do is if you're, if you're lucky, you're successful at it. And the way that a lot of that happens um, like, and I can't speak for, for, for single parenting, obviously. I can only speak from my perspective, which has been dual parenting. Yes. Um, I would be a lot worse parent if I had to watch this kid all the time and I would make worse decisions. And that is Clark being mature because he's acknowledging, I don't have the bandwidth for this right now. I can't fix this right now. I'm on the way to something that is also important. Can you take this hit for me? It's not like, I don't want to be a dad right now, Lois. Get in no, there no. and do it, no, little no. lady. I'm not, I'm not letting him off the hook here. So here's the sequence of events. 
they don't have an appointment with Jor-El. He's a Windows <laughs> 95 PC sitting in a cave somewhere, right? Like, right. it doesn't matter what time they show up. Clark can fly a little faster. Sure. This is, this is a disconnect between him and one of his sons because his other son has been revealed to be more special. And so the reaction from son <laughs> B is you are treating him like he is more special. And his response to that instead of being like, okay, I'm going to take five minutes and talk this out with him so that he feels good about it, is to roll his eyes and walk out with the more special son. That's uh, see, bad I, parenting. I don't know. I see it as, I, I see, I have almost a hive mind with my, with my, with my lady friend. Um, we, like, I can, I can have a whole conversation just by twitching my eye a couple of times and she'll know that, she'll have six, six sentences that if she spoke them in my voice, you know, like, hey, I'm Neil, I'm talking right now, they would, four out of the five would be word for word accurate. And I think that everything that you say right there is true, but I think implicit in that look and the way it was acted is a lot of the, uh, you know, I know I really should be spending five minutes here, but, uh, you know, I really also got a lot of stress on my head. Can you help me out here? And I think what, that... What that... stress? They get to the cave and he gives Jordan a big grin and he's like, yeah, son, this is my other home. Isn't it groovy? Okay, like... so, so I'll tell you what stress. I'll tell you what stress. <laughs> All right, I have enough problems solving a normal powered boy and the way that he constantly stomps on me and breaks things in the house and doesn't put things away like if that boy suddenly developed the ability to spit fire from his eyes i would be i would be um pooping bricks and i wasn't about to say pooping bricks but i'm trying to be uh, uh i would i would i would literally have to change my pants every three hours until i it was resolved that the child could not actually fly <laughs> you know, cause, cause i would wake up and he'd be like he'd be uh upside down on the ceiling playing minecraft and i'd be like where is he oh no i'm just hiding here dad and try and catch me whoop try and catch me whoop you know that's gotta be uh, and, well also and, and clark also knows what being superman has cost him in terms of like a normal life and how hard it is and he's gotta be just racked with what it's going to do to I suppose listen it's not that it's not a stressful situation it's it's that he he caused the reaction from Jonathan you don't pawn that off on your partner yeah. like I, I will was not, say I was not great at being married but I know that much <laughs> well this episode it, it is the lowest show in a lot of ways in terms of the better parenting Lois it uh, is. steps in and owns the situation several times and she's given meat and she's really good in this episode like they really do start making her character come into their own and I think that I think that since Clark kind of took the lead last episode, she takes the lead this episode. It's still pretty even in terms of parenting for me. Now, speaking of Lois, did I miss something either last week or this week? Um, so there's this weird little moment between her and someone who appears to either be like a PA or an assistant or something in Morgan oh, yeah. Edge's office. He's right going to destroy you. Yeah, right after she hands over the best piece of writing she's done since Morgan Edge took over the paper, he's going to destroy you. I'm, like, where is this coming from? Like, it I just, think that it was throwaway. I would bet it's throwaway. It was it was to be a moment like, like he can't say it, so she's the person who says it for him. She's being his mercy. Oh, his test mocker. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair yeah. enough. That's, that's kind of how I saw it. It's like the begin the introduction of his mercy, uh, if she ever shows up again. Yeah, I'm, I am super here for this version of Lois. The writers have found a way to 
in a very normal, organic way, show us that Lois is strong and does the things that she thinks are correct and right and seem to line up with her that assessment without having her wear a t-shirt that says i am a strong independent woman and don't need no man like she's a very (laughs) she's a very real character yes and 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 honestly i expected her to be the weak spot i expected it to be the thing where they would where they would fall down because she doesn't have an incredible amount to do that is not existential in the show yet Um, right but they're making existential hay uh, and I'm I'm really enjoying it for that. Was I, that I could I could actually I could actually see Erica Durance's Lois growing up to be this character. Yes, with a lot of growing up in between. Yes, yeah, she's very uh, bubbly at the the end, even at the end of Smallville. Uh, yeah, but was was that the clunky writing bit? The uh, PA? No, the clunky writing bit was the was the you know I you know I just now realized this moment that I have not always done a good job balancing being Superman and and <laughs> oh, Clark. Yeah. Okay. And the the thing that makes it clunkier is and maybe ask Ben about this when he comes on because my recollection might be incorrect, but I'm pretty sure that Superman was one of the characters whose memories of the previous timeline were was restored. And so that moment to me is so epically weird because from his perspective, he didn't have two kids a month ago. He had one and it was a baby. You ready to have your mind blown, Julian? Yes, go ahead. Speaking as a writer looking at story and how I might approach a thing, just hypothetically, there is absolutely nothing that says that this does not take place fully... 14 years after the crisis. There is absolutely nothing to preclude that. There is nothing to say that Supergirl and all the heroes from the Age of Heroes have retired and are not present right now. Now, granted, that's probably extreme, and they probably won't do that because they're going to want their crossovers, but maybe he did raise these boys. Maybe he, maybe it has been all these years where he's been Superman and balancing it. Uh, we don't. That's that, that would be a thing. I don't know. We don't know. It, um, well, we, we do know, though, because we've seen their cell phones. And if you think if you think an iPhone is going to look like that 14 years from now, have I got a bridge to sell you somewhere? Well, sure, but you know, there's certain things there's certain things that you simply cannot change, um, like the way that the uh, the pads look in 1992 for Star Trek: The Next Generation, and also <laughs> also the fact that strangely, miraculously, Captain Marvel still looks exactly the same with a haircut uh, in 2022 as she did in 1992. Um, you fair, know, like, like, uh, it's, it, you're right. You're not wrong. But at the same time, like, uh, I, I, I actually give them the, I give them the, the blessing. I'm making the sign of the cross right now to actually go forth and, uh, fudge that detail as long as it makes the story consistent. And, and you could be right, but if you are right, then it reinforces my gripe about, and it's, and it's not a gripe with the show itself because the show itself is quite quality like it is good tv i sat down and watched it with two other people that were helping me move last night um and neither of them had any interest in the show and came into it halfway through and just stopped doing stuff for half an hour and watched it with me yeah um it's it's quality tv so the gripe isn't with the show itself it's it's with 
the fact that this show only exists because of what it is a part of and if you're right and this takes place 14 years later and none of these nitpicks make any sense like in the continuity it's establishing for itself then that writer's room is embarrassed of the origins and genesis of this show it's the birthright problem what you're experiencing is the birthright problem birthright is one of the best superman stories that was ever written in my opinion i really really love it at the time i couldn't enjoy it for what it was because eddie berganza and a bunch of editors came forth and said this is the new origin of superman and we said but 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 wait this is incompatible and this is incompatible and this is incompatible and it damaged our enjoyment of it and in retrospect i wish i had been able to enjoy it for what it was because 15 years later it's it's in still insanely good um i think it's 15 or so years later but it's probably 17 now but anyway um but no it is i I, I completely understand i completely understand that it's the same way because what they have done is they said here's your expectation and then screw your expectation i'm just i'm gonna be very upset if they do try to pull him into a crossover without ever addressing where this fits in the greater cw verse um or if they don't sort of go back and revamp some of their existing properties to give it the same level of treatment. Because yeah. if you can make a superhero show this good, make all of your superhero shows this good. Yes, there's no reason you can't go from one season to the next and jack it up. But I, I, you know, I think that I, I, my take, my hot take is that I think they're going to continue to make it its own separate thing. I don't even know. Like if I had to be, make a bet right now, would they put him in the crossovers? If there are crossovers, I would say it's 50-50 because I know you need Superman if you're going to do a giant thing with everybody and everybody shows up. But at the same time, I think that they're so, at least so far, and we're only two episodes in, we got to remember. I think if they're going to if they're gonna stick to this very, very serious take, and I say that respecting it, um, I, I, I think that they're going to they're gonna realize the incompatibility and shy away from it like nobody's business. Fair. Oh, and it should be noted, weird little Easter egg, the black suit that he's got in the flashback (laughs) scene. No, no, I'm not going where you think I'm going. It looks to me like the fake Superman that was created when Dr. Light had the Book of Destiny the first time we are introduced to that book on Supergirl in an earlier episode. Ah, see, I missed that one, but that... I, I, I... I see it as a commentary. I do. I see it as the writers saying, like, very sneakily, because they can be like, oh, no, this is actually the Injustice Superman. Don't worry. But being like, we're not going to be like that guy you see on the screen. We're going to be like he used to be. Um, yeah. In a lot of respect. And, and the writers on this show like doing stuff like that. My favorite moment of Crisis was Brandon Routh suiting back up as Kingdom Come Superman. Yeah. Did you see? Okay, I saw that too. Did you? The other thing. Did you see? Like when they come, uh, when they drive up in the station wagon. I do believe they're going down the same uh, uh, country road, and I could be wrong. It could just be my hazy memory. But it seems like the same country road that Clark would go down and up when he was driving to Metropolis in Smallville. So one of the things, except I don't think they're in the same state. I don't believe that Metropolis is in Kansas. <laughs> well, they, they, it could be the end of the drive, but it looks like a visual homage, <laughs> a, homage a little bit. They've done a very good job, and I include Man of Steel in this and Superman Returns. Uh, actually, Man of Steel, not so much. They did change it pretty drastically, but Superman Returns 
Smallville, um, the, the uh, what was his name? Gerard something. Superboy Gerard, show. Gerard. But- uh, but- uh, oh God. No. Nope. I know this. Uh, not uh, Gerard Butler. No, not Gerard. No. Oh, I know Gerard, not Gerard Way, because that's the that's the uh, the last name was Gerard, wasn't it? Oh God, I should know this, and I could Google it right now, but I'm not going to. <laughs> um. Anyway, like they've done a very good job of maintaining consistency with the way the Kent farm and surrounding area have looked across tv and movie properties since donner dropped the first superman movie yeah it's it's all had the same flavor or feel they all look like they were shot in that same backfield in blackie alberta <laughs> and the, the, the usually the uh, even the mailbox looks the same <laughs> yeah so i i wouldn't read too much into that but but yeah the the writers on these shows do seem to have a facility with the comics and they like to get these little like like our our uh, our publisher miss beppo uh they they, <laughs> they do like getting their little tie-ins back to the comic material which i thoroughly appreciate now you had said that you had a hot take in chat before we started the podcast do you remember what that was about uh on what let's look it up because that would be an important thing to do i'm gonna pull that up i actually am going to the internet for this uh but it'll of course take a minute for my program to come why is my program oh there it is okay excellent Oh, the super dad scene. Uh, actually, my hot take was exactly what I was uh, what I was talking to you about um, when it comes to the uh, to the to the dad look, uh, because you were saying that you were you were worried about that scene with uh, with with Clark where he looks at the boys and and he should have been a parent. And uh, yeah, I, I was going to mention the look with Lois because I thought you might not have seen it, but uh, I think our reads of it were different. That's all. Oh, so it's the same thing that we talked about before. Okay, so that's fine. We've already yeah, covered pretty that. much. <laughs> so shall we? Shall we bring in the uh, the boys to torture them? Let's let's bring in the boys. Do you want me to talk to Milo first? Yeah, let's swap it around. Milo, yeah. time to come and talk about Superman's. Ready? All right, you ready? Yeah. Remember, speak directly into the mic this time. You were very quiet last time. You 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 quiet guy. All right, here's the headphones, and go on. Milo, how's it going? Good. So while your dad can't hear this part of the discussion, I'm going to tell you something that I disagreed with him about in his written review. So he's not going to hear this until he starts splicing it together. Are you ready? Yep. So he said that he thought that the uh, naming Jordan after Jor-El was a little too cute for him. But I think, and maybe you agree or disagree with me, I think that what he's trying to do is name both of his sons after one of his fathers, and it's actually super awesome and exactly the kind of thing that Superman would do. What do you think? Yep. You think I'm right? Yes. Yeah, you make sure that when this is all put together, you tell your dad your friend Julian is right. Okay? Okay. Okay, so what did you think of this week's episode? I thought it was cool when I actually saw him fighting. And and it did look so good when he actually just punched him and sent him flying down. And the guy in the suit, which was Luther, 
Which is Luthor. Yeah, fair enough. Um, what did you think of the scene where he pulls the mask off of uh, Captain Luthor and it just turned out to be a robot? I thought, thought it was a trick. And then later I saw uh, that at, it was just a different evil Superman in a different universe. So what do you think? Do you think that this version of Luthor is a baddie? Or do you think he's actually going to turn out to be a good guy who's just confused about who Superman is? I think it's going to turn out to be a good guy, Luthor. That Luthor. Right on. Me too, actually. I think your dad and I are going to get into spoilers or theories a little bit afterwards. But yeah, I think you're probably right. I think... I think that uh, this version of Luthor just doesn't understand that not every Superman is going to turn into evil, dark-suited, burn-everybody-down Superman. So what was your favorite part of the episode? My favorite part was the part where they actually got the kid tested. So when they went to, when they went to the Fortress of Solitude? Yeah. Has your dad ever shown you Empire Strikes Back? Oh, yeah, I've watched that before. Did it give you the same kind of feel as when Luke goes to Dagobah to get trained by Yoda? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's everybody's favorite part. I love that. What was your least favorite part of the episode? What didn't you like? I didn't like how uh, he was trying to hurt Superman, and he's like Superman, so he's super powerful. But his powers are coming from that kryptonite-powered suit, and now he doesn't have a suit, and he doesn't have a ship, and he doesn't have enough kryptonite. So now he's just some guy. Yeah. He's so... He get the pieces to repair the suit. What do you think the pieces are going to be? It seemed like it had to be something kind of special. Do you have any ideas? I have an idea. Lay it on me. Stuff from it. His planet that exploded. Oh. Yeah, that could be possible. Or maybe they'll have to go and rescue pieces of his exploded ship. Yep. That was cool. I loved the scene of the spaceship exploding and Superman getting knocked back by it. Yeah. We don't get to see that kind of thing very often in these stories because it's hard to to write challenges for a character like Superman who's so powerful, right? Yeah. Yeah? What I did you think of the... Think of, of writing a challenge about him right now. <laughs> right? Like, how do you write conflict for a character who can throw mountains? Yeah, like he can even throw, oh, like the earth. Yeah, probably. Some versions of Superman. He's been kind of overpowered in the past. So what do you think? Do you still think that Jonathan's going to get powers? Do you think that Jordan's really as weak as Jor-El says he was? I think they're both powerful, but one's hiding it still. Oh, you think Jonathan knows he's got powers and is hiding it? Yeah, and he's not trying to show it. Oh. He has to. That's a cool theory. I kind of dig that theory. We'll see if you're right. Yep. You going to watch it again next week and share your thoughts again with us? Yep. Awesome. Thank you so much, Milo. Okay. Okay, we'll see you next week, buddy.
All right. Good job. All right. And I'm going to get you Ben right oh, now. Stop, stop, stop. Oh, hang on. <clears throat> the boy just ran into the microphone cord. Live radio, live radio. That's recorded. Oh, okay, get out of here. Oh. <laughs> okay, so you got to talk right into the microphone. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Hello Hi. there, Ben. Hi. Uh, wait a minute. Is that Ben? Yeah, it's me. I, I can't tell. You took your glasses off. <laughs> it looks like an entirely different person. You get it? It's a Superman joke. It's just a Superman joke. <laughs> How you doing? Good. Yeah. No. I. Uh, what did you? Um. What did you think of the episode? I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. was your favorite part? Uh, like the flashback scene at the end, like. Oh yeah. Oh, the creepy one. Yeah, that freaked Milo out too a little bit. Like, uh, do you? What? What do you think the? Uh, what do you think it's saying? Do you think that, uh, that 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 there is a world where Superman is evil, or that Luthor has got a, got the wrong idea? There is probably a world where Superman is evil. Like, yeah, I think that's more likely too. Yeah, I think that they're 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 definitely leaning into that multiverse, huh? What about yeah. uh, what about the uh, the fight scene? That was fun. <sighs> yeah, you like that? Did it? Uh, you think it was better or worse than the first one? Better. Yeah, no, I thought yeah. I thought so too. I thought it was clearer and 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 it had more uh, dynamic attacks to it, and uh, and it made sense. But uh, they they did the old uh, robotaroo, like like Luthor he had a robot for a head. What do you think of that? <laughs> was that I silly thought... or was that serious for you? It was kind of a smart idea, like just. Mm. Yeah, he's like, oh what? Oh, there's supposed to be a head in here. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, that, you know, he punched him and his chest cratered in and he's like sitting there like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't check his pulse. Maybe I should pull off his head. But of course, you know, he's Superman, so he would kind of know something was fishy, you, you know, you think? Yeah. How about Lois this episode? What do you, what do you think of Lois? The entire subplot with the media villain is probably not a good idea, but. Oh, or like her, her going to the, uh, her going to the smaller paper. You think she's not going to be able to reach more people or that you just think that the plot is dumb? Yeah, the plot is kind of dumb. <laughs> that's okay. You don't have to like things, man. That's that's why we brought you here. You have your opinions. Don't sweat it. We're not going to judge you. Um, what did you think about uh, the progress with the Super Sons? I think that how they're treating Jonathan better this episode, it's good. And like That's cool. You really like Jonathan, huh? Yeah, he's my favorite character in the comics. Nice. Yeah, you think it's the same guy, or do you think it's a little bit different? A little bit different. Yeah, I hope I hope that they uh, make him more like the Jonathan in the comics because everything I've read of the jo Jonathan in the comics, he seems like a very sweet boy. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think that they're they're both very interesting though, at least, huh? Yeah. And Morgan Edge, that he was he was he he looks he, he's kind of you think he's like Lex Luthor in this show? Sorta, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen Morgan Edge in any other shows? No. Yeah, he's he well basically in in the shows. Or in, in the comics, he's kind of like a Lex Luthor light kind of guy. He's he, he sometimes gets involved with a with something called Intergang, which is like this this Metropolis gang that um, has you know superpowers that that fight Superman. But sometimes he's just on his own, and sometimes he's dead, sometimes he's alive. He's all over the place. But he's in the comics all over the place. He's not he's not some random guy they threw in there. Um, but what else happened? This, the 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 um, the actual. Uh, way that the parents and the and, and the kids got along. What'd you think of that? Did you think it was they were being good parents? Did you think the boys were being uh, naughty? What'd you think? I hated all the fighting in this episode. Like, 
it was too drama filled. Yeah, there was a lot of drama. It was definitely they're definitely having a family that's having some conflict. That's for sure. Yeah. Instead of you know chill people, you know, <laughs> I guess that's part of the story though a little bit. What do you think about the uh, next couple episodes? Are you excited? Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, if you had to give this thing a rating, like a, out of five, what would you say this episode was? I think it would be five out of five. Five out of five. All right, I'm going to throw back to Milo because we I, I've been meaning to ask you, and I'm going to start asking him. Milo, do you think out of five, what do you think one out of five or five out of five in terms of, like, how good it was? Um, three. Three? So it was average for you? Yeah. Okay, well, Milo went three. What a harsh critic. I guess I see my son, my son in him a little bit now. But yeah, so uh, will, will you will you be willing to come back next week, and or are you done with the show forever? I'm willing to come back next week. <laughs> Woohoo! All right. Well, I look forward to probing you, and uh, you know, if you put on the glasses, just be sure to warn me you're the same person, because you know, like we <laughs> Superman fans, we never know a person is if they take off their glasses. So. <laughs> like, watch this. I'm gonna change myself entirely. I'm gonna take off my glasses. Boop. Who am I? I'm Beale Daly. I'm some strange guy. Who am I? I don't know. Nobody knows. All right. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure talking to you, Ben. I'll have you hand you back to your dad now. Okay. Take care, buddy. Okay. That was fun. All right. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Yeah, that's good times. Milo, did you hear the ratings? All right. So, so yeah, Ben I went with 5 of 5, and I asked what Milo's rating was, because I was like, maybe we should give it a 5 out of 5 or a 3 out of 5 or whatever the kids think so that they can give their – Milo says 3 out of 5. And I'm like, I... that's my boy! Harsh! <laughs> harsh! No, but, but like uh... – I I would give it a 4 out of 5, and I'm mm. only docking at points because Superman's a bad dad and Sam Lane's a bad dad and Jor-El's a bad dad. Oh, man. So I am the I am the bright of po- bright beacon of positive light here. I don't know how to handle this. It's like uh, – it's, it's... <laughs> It's like, uh, oh man, there's there's lots of uh, shows where the trope is the villain starts acting nice and starts hating himself. I think I'm getting there. Um, <laughs> what know. do you I, got? What do you got for fan theories for us? Oh me, I don't think. Uh, you know, honestly, I've I've pulled away from fan theories because I'm thinking they're gonna make it its own thing. I'm not actually looking looking over the curve. Do you got one? Yeah. So I I I know where you're coming from, but I still think. Ultimately, we're dealing with writers who like comic books and are familiar with the source material and are showing us that they're willing to plumb that source material, even if it's to subvert expectations. So like I said earlier, my theory about it being Alexander Luthor has evolved into, I think this is going to turn into some sort of weird morphed version of Injustice. I think that... Jor-El is lying about the kids' power levels or has done something a la Jor-El and Smallville to them to limit their powers. And Jordan is just the more powerful of the two. And so he's broken through that barrier. But I think there's something fishy happening with uh, proto-fascist crypto dad. Um, And yeah, I think that if the show keeps going the way it's going the real villain in this season of the show is going to turn out to be corporate America, which is an interesting take (laughs) for one of these shows. I agree, but I do think there is a bigger villain uh, going forward, and I think it's the people who cut the trailers because they seem to make it all about the drama, like Jordan whining, I'm just tired of you being my super dad, storming off, and like, like, oh my god, and then an explosion, and it's like it doesn't actually give much of an idea of the tone or the flavor of the show at all. Um, no. but 
Now that's just that's more of a joke, but I agree. I think that it's going to be corporate America as the as the even greater villain than the than the actual literal threat. The existential threat is going to be what they're they're going after, and that's that's good because that's that's what Superman at his best can be. The guy working for the little man, the kind of uh, the kind of uh, I, I I would argue strongly um, strongly uh, pro worker, um, very very man on the street reporter um in in the largely liberal vein um and i know people will take me to task for that but that's fine they can do that all they want i'll fight them um <laughs> and uh i think that it's it's going to be it's shaping up to be a good season the wheels didn't come off the cart now i think this episode was written by the same person and i've been meaning to look it up and see who the oh. next person is but i also don't want to look it up and i don't look at the credits intentionally because i don't want to have a preconceived notion about what the show is doing uh i i regret that i saw that it was stride gum guy and now i really regret that i was uh that i was harsh on the dude after after um what this last episode has shown can be done uh who knows if they've got a really good editor if it's just a really good uh screenwriter or what but i'm i am uh, i am regretting my initial criticism of uh of that dude so, so i i have a cousin who is a script coordinator on and has been a script coordinator on a couple of shows and he has confirmed for me that uh in the past i have been too far too harsh on individual writers because usually it's writing by committee once the initial draft is done by said writer yes um so this isn't a theory i don't think this is actually going to happen but my hope is at some point this season, they will find a way to have Clark Kent say, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. <laughs> as long as we get a, a guest star from the, a, a, a guest shot from the, uh, from the, was it, is it Lori Laughlin who plays the wife? Who's the one that plays the wife? Oh, um, I think you're right. I'd have to look it up, but I don't want to break away. But yeah, that'd be absolutely amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's just me being a dog. But I, I mean, like, uh, I, I, I watched probably five, ten episodes of Friday Night Lights, night, and I, Friday Night Lights, and I see the comparison absolutely. I haven't seen the whole thing, but um, I, I really liked the show. I didn't stop because it was terrible. I stopped because I, I have no time for absolutely anything and still being writing books and doing what I got to do. So everybody points to The Sopranos as being the start of peak TV. And I disagree. And I disagree. I would actually argue that it's either Breaking Bad or Friday Night Lights, and I'm honestly not sure which one it is. Yeah, I think it's Breaking Bad. And I actually don't. I'm, I, I've watched Sopranos probably two or three times trying to get it, and I just don't. It's just bad people doing bad things and being bad and nothing ever really happening to them, except for some of them die. But it's not because of what they did. There's no moral. It's just kind of nihilistic. But... I could rant about it all day, but I think that that's when peak TV began. I think that that's when people realize, oh, people want a coherent narrative that stretches across the thing. And I think Breaking Bad is where it leapt into into motion. I think actually, no, okay. I, I here's here's a very asterisk laden uh, proclamation. I think Lost is where peak TV started. I don't oh. think Lost. I don't think Lost is peak TV. I think Lost is where it started. And the reason I think it's where it started is because. You have Lindelof, who's an absolute genius of story, uh, who is set loose with what is clearly a J.J. Abrams mystery box. And he had to close a lot of loops he didn't actually have to, to close 
And, and, and I look at that as the beginning of when people realized, okay, a long-form story with a beginning, middle, and end is what we actually want when people started acknowledging that over writers. And before that, I can't think of anything. I mean, Smallville actually kind of started down that path. They were like, Babylon, we're end it. Ba well, know. Babylon 5 was the first was the first instance of a showrunner going to the studio and going, I have a five season show. It has a beginning, middle and end. I would like to make it that way. Yeah, I suppose in the sense that um, I, when I say that the beginning of it, I, I, I mean uh, executed effectively and well to my satisfaction, which is, you know, that's why I say very asterisky because lost was not that but i enjoyed every minute of it even where it failed because i saw its potential and then i saw what it became in leftovers and uh Watchmen yeah. and everything that follows and i think that that's that's the beginning mark because so well, see i think i'll i'll give i don't think lost was the start of peak tv but i will give it credit for being the thing that made the current genre utopia we happen to live in possible because yes. lost spent its first two seasons trading on excitement about yeah. survivor of all things it is episodic to trick tri no no but it was trading on a reality show to trick everybody on the planet into watching a science fiction show Yes, the first actual good beginning, middle, and end executed show would be Breaking Bad. I think that's that'd be where I'd draw that line. But the first time when people started realizing it, I, I don't think it was The Sopranos because The Sopranos doesn't have a clear beginning, middle, and end. That story could continue going, as is you know evidenced by the ambiguity ambiguity of the ending. Um, you know that that cycle just continues forever. But uh, it lost, goes on lost, and on and on and on. You know. But Lost did do what no one else had done before did in american tv which was it broke the cycle of the 22 episode season right like yeah so the by season four i think they'd gone to the studio and said we don't want to do this anymore we don't want to have filler episodes we want 16 episode seasons no filler no fluff no breaks for sweeps or after sweeps we're just going to tell the story sequentially and go right yes. and that that was not a thing and now we get that all the time we get stuff like watchmen where we get one 10 episode season and that's it yeah and it's brilliant you get things like fargo you get things like uh things like legion you get things that um you know whether you like them or hate them they are designed like a novel um, american american horror story yeah oh uh, yeah you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah 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 well i i i've only seen one to be fair <laughs> to be seen, fair to be fair i've only seen one um one season of american horror story and uh, i understand why people like it it's not for me <laughs> that's all and that's fair, all i have enough. to say about that <laughs> all right so next week we've got the perks of not being a wallflower which i love that <laughs> title so so much uh clark shares some of his kryptonian history with jordan and jonathan during a family breakfast that'll be interesting since he doesn't actually have any kryptonian history um <laughs> meanwhile lois and chrissy dig deeper to uncover the truth about morgan edge i am ready for it i am i am excited i am actually really i i only had one show i was eagerly watching and it was going away which is wandavision right now and i was yep. like am i gonna have to go and watch better call saul for the seventh time and that sounds like hyperbole that's not hyperbole um, no that's fair 
And and the only reason I'm not watching Watchmen and Leftovers again is because I don't like being suicidal. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, hey. I love them to death. I love them so much. They're my favorite things, but I can't watch them as, unless I'm in a particular mood away from my playlist that will try and kill only, me. And... Only the first season of Leftovers is depressing. The rest of it is just weird and glorious. Well, there's there's lots of depressing in the latter half, but it's it's I've come to terms with it kind of depressing, and that first season is like everything is terrible. Um, yeah, but I have a lot. I have a comment. One of these times during the podcast, I'll have to go in my rant about schmuck lure and schmuck bait because I'm sure um, that will that will uh, come come into the Superman and Lois discussion. But with regards to the leftovers and and my theory, it's changed the way I write novels. That's how good of a TV show it is. So um, I, I will that. make you this promise: once I get set up in my new house next week and I've solved the echo problem, I am going to recut a trailer of the leftovers with everything is awesome as the theme song. <laughs> I will totally watch that and probably cry. Fair. All right. Next week, the perks of not being a wallflower. That sounds pretty good. All right. Until then, I'm Neil Bailey, and this is uh, Julian Fenton. Goodbye, Julian. Goodbye, Neil. Have a delightful week. Yes, to the Phantom Zone with us. (laughs) Well, hey there, all you super cat coes and kittens. I'm not going to ask you to like or subscribe or add us on Facebook or Twitter because, frankly, I just don't care. Julian might, but you'd have to ask him. I am, however, an independent writer of novels, comics, and reviews. I don't get paid for that, and I've been doing it steadily for 21 years. If you like what I do, and if you can, your support would mean a world of difference in my life. I have a website where you can find my books, neilbailey.com with an A in the Neil, N-E-A-L, not an I, and I have a Patreon where you can get exclusive early access to everything I do along with free copies of all my books and comics along with every new book and comic I make as they come out for the price of a coffee. Get yourself on over to www.patreon.com slash neilbailey and tell them Neil sent you. Thanks for listening.